Coffee. Yeah, yeah, grab your coffee. Because this week we're going to take things in a little bit of a different direction because yes. we're getting personal. Who are you? That's the question we're trying to answer today. Who are you? Who am I? <laughs> I know what you are, but what am I? <laughs> I know what you are, but what am I? I feel like that's not the right phrase for some reason. Oh, it, I, I got it, I got it. I know you are, but what am I? Yeah. Is that really what it is? I know you are, but what am I? No, I think I'm right. I know what you are, but what am I? Looking it up on Urban Dictionary. Oh, wait, maybe you're right. It says, I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Hannah one. Yes. JJ zero. (laughs) That's funny because my name in Korean literally means one. (laughs) Hannah. Hannah. (laughs) I feel like with us being in quarantine, us just having a lot of time to, you know, reflect, which we've obviously at this point said multiple times now mm-hmm. thinking about myself gets me thinking about like being the type a that i am like about the future and whatever and so i really feel like i'm adulting these days whoa that's like, big i recently went to the dentist and apparently mm-hmm. in my 20 something years of age i am now finding out that i need something called a phrenectomy what is that basically like a tissue right below like my tongue is limiting the movement like of my tongue oh it's like that little webbing that little web Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah honestly growing up i always knew i had a shorter tongue you like right you (laughs) You do have a really short i have a really like short stubby chubby tongue like it's a shoot like it's the super short super short short. (laughs) and i didn't know it was because that little webby thing was a little too attached for my tongue whoa and so anyways just having to deal with all those problems try to finance how i'm gonna pay for it i feel like i'm adulting because now i feel like i don't want my parents to pay for it i mean they're my teeth yeah so like you're trying to take responsibility and Mm -hmm. like take it into your own hands yeah yes so uh, that was the highlight going to the dentist (laughs) (laughs) i do feel like i'm getting into that stage where i want to take responsibility but i also feel like i'm retreating a little bit in the fact that i'm trying to be a little bit more selfish Mm -hmm. in the best way possible the advice i gave you last week yeah exactly i really want to put myself at the forefront make sure that i'm taking time to check in and i think i've been doing a good job in identifying my emotions lately also differentiating between my reactions and my responses because your reactions are like the initial like whoa oh i'm getting heated like i'm just gonna start yelling versus taking in those reactions like taking a deep breath and then choosing how to respond just you know more self-growth something you learned in the four agreements it actually is not but Uh yeah that's something that i actually picked up reading this week it's been recommended to me by a couple people actually and i'm on page 12 but the first 12 pages have low-key like blown my mind because it's everything that i've been talking about for like two months how 
I feel like I don't know who I am because it's just been society or my parents or some sort of external factor influencing what I think is Mm -hmm. success and everything else that comes along with that. Interesting you bring up success (laughs) because you guys we're talking about identity today specifically identity in the sense of to us what is success safety security and happiness it's a handful it really is because all of that just kind of depends on how you identify those things yeah like how do you define success when we thought of that the three s's and the happiness i was low-key like success to me is having that safety security and happiness (laughs) what is safety to me having that successful job that has security and makes me happy yeah and the security is having that job that pays well that's also safe and makes me happy and then happiness is having that high paying job (laughs) it's safety and security and that might not be the case for everybody and it's like weird because i still feel like overall that is what success is to me but i do like to challenge that thought sometimes Mm -hmm. especially because most of the times we feel like the dash right in between korean american so a lot of my thoughts are selfish for myself and what do i want Mm -hmm. but sometimes what i want is like what my parents want and what others want of me and so identity as a korean american for me at least is confusing challenging honestly just a struggle it's a struggle all the time i'm just looking around like what is going on yeah well okay what about we start Mm -hmm. if you were asked whether it's a job interview you're meeting somebody new they asked you actually let's go date version we're both on hinge all right (laughs) we're on a date your date asks you how would you identify yourself what would you say well i would first like to clarify i hope it's a little bit more natural (laughs) I'm from LA. I'm 23. I identify as female, straight. I'm Christian. I am Korean. And then I'm someone who values personal relationships very deeply. So everyone that I come across, I know that they were meant to be in my life in some way, shape, or form. And that's ultimately what connects us all is just this human connection if someone were to ask me this on our first date Mm -hmm. i would say that i'm a korean american christian female straight aspiring to become a chief executive for a fortune 500 company one day to then be able to teach all this knowledge that i've gained to the future generation Mm. i always knew i had this wanting to be an influence to more than just my physical location to have some sort of power and influence right yeah 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 that's what i identify as someone who um, is power seeking and uh (laughs) dude when i was a kid whenever people would ask me like what's your dream job and mind you this is in the times of britney spears being my freaking role model killing it with her hit singles baby Uh one more time and toxic (laughs) i wanted to be a pop star it was never a firefighter or a doctor it was straight like give me the attention (laughs) i'm trying to really think of my first role model he's actually korean and his name is pan gi moon who is that he's the secretary general 
of <laughs> the UN. Oh, He's like a cool. diplomat. And so my dad, who was like, you know, was a professor, like maybe that's why just like influence within the household. But mm. he would always just be telling me about people like him. So oh. he's the first one I can like really remember respecting that wasn't my mom or dad. Oh, <laughs> but but I like Britney Spears. <laughs> How old were you like when you were into Britney Spears? This was before preschool. What? Yeah, I have memories. before preschool. Yeah, before preschool. I was like four years old in preschool. Yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you, dude? I just have that star quality. <laughs> I was still into like that Korean cartoon Dooley. Dooley? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dooley and Hello Kitty. Dude, Hello Kitty was my shit. Oh, am I Dude. lying then? Dude, preschool, that's kind of concerning. <laughs> I, okay, it was around that time then, preschool. <laughs> so when you were listening to Pop, I was there watching Dooley. <laughs> but I went through my Dooley phase too, of course. So those are my goals and aspirations as a youngin. But slowly, it completely went 180 and definitely went down the, I would say, model minority route to go be a doctor. Mm. I think for me too, I'm like trying to remember that specific time if I was pressured to want to become a doctor. And it's weird because I don't think my parents ever like informed forced like mm-hmm. become a doctor when you grow up i don't think they ever did that but i think for me it was when i told them i wanted to be a doctor and seeing their reaction and how happy it made them oh. like that's what made me feel like that's what they want me to do do you actually think that kids know what they want or do you think that's mostly shaped by your parents' expectations and making it into your own wants and desires i feel like my answer is not going to be so direct Yeah, I think it's very 50-50 because I think parents need to give their child that freedom Mm -hmm. where they can realize that whatever they engage in, right, like extracurricular activities or, you know, future profession, it's like their responsibility. Oh, But when parents are too, this is a common term, tiger mom, Mm -hmm. helicopter mom. Oh, yeah. Right? Like when you have parents like that, quote unquote, I suffered from it a little bit too, then you're not really doing it for yourself. You're either doing it out of fear that I don't think is very healthy or uh-huh. you're doing it for whomever you are trying to prove. Right. It's not really for yourself. It's like for others. Right. And eventually that's going to run out. Mm-hmm. Or when they do reach whatever goal was always talked about, it's like, what after that? Mm. Right. Mm. It's like they lose all purpose. And it's like, uh, oh, uh. gosh, you're literally <laughs> speaking directly to me. <laughs> it's so scary but at the same time there's a comment my mom said to me once that she had wished my grandma pushed her more oh okay you know i think it's just inevitable as a kid to like not listen to your parents you know like have a little bit of a rebellious yeah 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 and be told especially in a korean household like you're gonna regret it you're gonna regret it surely enough I quit piano and I regret quitting piano. Are there other things that you've done? Because I, I know you did piano, but... I've literally done everything. I did piano, violin, viola, soccer, gymnastics, ice skating, tennis, golf, taekwondo, Girl Scouts. I've done etiquette classes at one point and dance. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just a few. <laughs> 
And with all of those activities, I think it was good for me in that I got to try everything. I think a big reason why my parents pushed me to do so many different things is because they're trying to find where your natural talents are, which I completely agree with. Like, my child is going to try everything I did and more. (laughs) But I also think there comes a point when you really need to focus in on a couple things. And that part was missing for me. Yes. Mine's like a list of 10, 15 things also. Very similar things, right? (laughs) Violin, piano, Mm -hmm. a couple sports here and there. And at this point, you know, you guys have heard us say a couple of times the phrase jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm almost thinking, oh my gosh, is this why? Whoa. Because I think it proves two things. Mm. right just like being spread out too thin uh-huh where we're just like a little bit invested in everything, everything. <laughs> just like just a little bit in everything yeah and then number two like our extroverted personalities and always like keeping ourselves mm. so busy and not knowing what to do with ourselves when we don't have anything to do yeah i like can't chill i've gotten better at it but i still really like you said, spread myself super thin. And I'm kind of like this where I get bored of things easily or I always like the start of projects. Are you like that or is this just a me issue? I told you guys before, like I will literally be on a mission to clean out my entire room and then I'll get tired in the middle and never complete it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it does have to do with you know Our- the patterns that we grew up with. Yeah. I'm almost also thinking this struggle that we had, right? Like it's it's both a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because if obviously we, we didn't have the finances or the opportunity, mm-hmm. maybe we would have been able to focus on like one activity. I felt blessed, of course, in the way that we never had these huge things we struggled with. But I also think that it kind of made me feel as though if I had any complaints or if I was sad in any way... I didn't deserve it. Mm. I specifically remember feeling that way in middle school. I was just kind of sad for no reason. Mm -hmm, Because that was a thing, right? (laughs) It was both popular and I actually felt it, okay? (laughs) But I almost wanted to find a reason for being sad. Because Mm. at least then I could attribute it to something rather than just general angst. (laughs) Mm. I'm trying to think about what I was like in middle school. And so my dad wasn't really, I mean, he was very present in our lives, but he just couldn't be physically present, right? Right. And I always just saw from a young age how hard my mom was working. Oh. How I had these expectations from my mom. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized one day like, whoa, she never had a practice kid. What I'm experiencing for the first time, she is also experiencing for the first time because she has never raised an 11-year-old human being. Oh, yeah. And so for me, like... I think maybe that's also why I've resorted to like being so happy all the time is because I didn't want like my mom to feel like all her hard work and like all her energy was going to me being like unthankful, ungrateful and dissatisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because that got me thinking how much my grandma's actually like raised my sister and I like Mm. it was always my grandma and my grandpa driving us to soccer practice and girl scouts and yeah. literally everything because my mom worked all the yeah. time and then there was a period of time when my dad was driving back and forth between LA and Monterey so 6 yeah. hours I think because from such a young age I've seen how hard my mom 
worked to provide me a life that I live today, my happiness is ultimately like what she wants for me. I sometimes struggle with that. Like how much do I need to weigh my parents' thoughts about my future versus my own wants? I almost see it as like a, they're investing in me right now so that I can return ROI, return of investments when they're retired and I'm making, you know, six figures, maybe seven, eight. But when I am, you know, successful in the future, when I'm stable, I'm gonna, you know, take care of that and like pay them back, which is also very like Korean Asian, Asian mindset. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. You invest in your kids for the future Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I think it's very uncommon to see people be put in retirement homes in In, the Asian community because there's this overwhelming responsibility for usually the oldest child Mm -hmm. to take in the parents. Yeah. I'm honestly just thinking about what you said about how your parents want and goals are also like what you want to do in order Mm -hmm. to kind of like satisfy that need and for me where I have the most trouble is differentiating between other people's wants and my wants because I've never had to really give my opinion on things Mm. it's always been like oh like oh no what do you want to eat it's coming up you know this is a really random thought i had today it was like a shower thought almost uh-huh. and it was about you oh okay so in our previous episode you had mentioned multiple times how you were conflict avoidant and what you just said about how everything's always like oh what the other person wants mm-hmm. do you think you're like that because you don't want there to be conflict <gasps> Because I'm kind of like, I don't think I do it with the same intention that you do it as. But I just, I'm just trying to be considerate and I'm like, oh no, what do you want to do? And you're always like, oh no, what do you want to do? Whatever is comfortable for you. And I feel like I kind of had a thought like, oh, does Hannah do that because she doesn't want conflict? So even though there is something she prefers, she'll just go with what the other person wants because she doesn't want there to be conflict. Whoa. But in the end, you and I most of the time like always want the same thing. Right, right. I think you're right. (laughs) Yep, so Julie's random shower thought of the day. Wait, that's so interesting. And I wonder where that conflict avoidance like really stems from. I don't think I ever really saw my parents fight. And like, if I did see them fight, it would always be like hearing them behind closed doors and just like arguing about things. So I Uh never really had healthy examples of conflict that's so interesting yeah because <laughs> okay you know what before this episode i thought honestly growing up and even within our group of friends i thought your family and my family were always the most similar uh-huh but after this episode i don't really think so oh okay <laughs> because in the previous episode as i mentioned how i'm a very confrontational person mm-hmm. my family we literally have family meetings and i can recall like like Three, four times we literally sat like at our dining table and it was literally like the talking stick. Huh. And it's honestly most of the time a misunderstanding. Oh or yeah. not being able to have understood it in that person's perspective. Right. And so I think that's where my let's talk it out thing comes from. Yeah. I feel like I've noticed more recently that there are definite communication issues that my family could work on. Because if me and my dad are fighting, a lot of times my dad will use either my sister or my mom 
to talk to me. There won't be any direct communication mm-hmm. ever. And so I think I've noticed more recently how much that's affected the way that I communicate because a lot of times I have issues in not being able to say how I actually feel. Mm. Or even before that, like understanding what I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you mentioned, though, how, like, you know, you're a firstborn. Mm-hmm. And, like, so is your dad. Mm-hmm. Is your mom also firstborn? Yep. And do you feel, like, therefore, sometimes you can understand them because the way they think and whatnot is a very, like, firstborn's way of thinking? Is that even a thing? I think that is a thing. Yeah, I'd like to think it's a thing. Because, I mean, you've been affected by it, right? Because neither of my parents are firstborn. I don't know if I've shared this word on our pod before. I created this Korean term. It's called mangnepyong. It's the disease of being the youngest. Oh. <laughs> and so, you know, my sister has it. My dad has it. And I like Loki gave it to my mom because she only has like brothers. And so she was always treated like a princess because she was the only daughter of her family. Oh, yeah. And being a human development family sciences major, mm-hmm. like I love to analyze my family. And it's weird because... I feel like sometimes nobody in my family can understand where I'm coming from because I'm the only first, First. yeah, that firstborn. Like my parents have these expectations of me that I almost think they've never had upon themselves from like my grandparents. Oh. I guess what I also want to say though is that when I meet people, they actually don't think I'm the oldest. I think it has to do with the influence my parents and sister have on me. And so I'm the first child, but I don't really come off and seem like a first child. Whereas I'm the first child Mm -hmm. of two first children. And so it's like overly logical and mom-like. And whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I've never thought of that before because it's weird. My parents have always said that growing up, even from when I was three years old, people were always like, oh, she seems older than... Uh. Yeah. 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 I mean, your gift is like wise, like wisdom, and you carry these traits of motherly and being able to listen and being able to like not like submit to everything, but being having that willingness to do so. Yeah. Because a huge thing I grew up with that has literally been drilled into my brain is selflessness. Like, be selfless, be selfless, be Mm -hmm. selfless. And so I never cared about what i thought it didn't matter Mm. it always like was like what other people think my parents honestly always took my side like 90 (laughs) percent of the time they took my side even if it wasn't my fault they always (laughs) were like yeah it was Ooh, kara honestly like took a lot of slack and now that we're drawing Mm. these connections between my parents being the oldest children and me being the oldest child they probably felt you know a little bit more sympathy so i'm thinking the opposite yeah yeah growing up my dad being the youngest i think he would honestly take my sister's side a lot huh and that's why i try so hard i think growing up i tried so hard with my dad oh the tables have turned a little bit because my sister and my dad are so similar they butt heads now like it was sometime last year or two years ago he straight up told me (laughs) he straight up told me like he would memorize things like Uh s-r-j-y and he would put it was s-r and then the j because he liked my sister more than me (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, that is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> so he did have a favorite child. He did, but but I'm going to emphasize on that the tables have turned. Uh, the turntables. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I think it's um the opposite for me. I feel like I was always the favorite child <laughs> because my parents had these expectations, and homegirl like did it. Like I lived up to mm. the expectations. And now I feel like I'm kind of rebelling. I feel like I'm finally going through my rebellious phase of being like, mm. no, I can make it like in whatever profession I want to. Like mm. I can make it in entertainment. And because I haven't really found like the success, they're kind of more focused on my sister now. Yeah. in my family, K-, K is probably before H right now. <laughs> I'm going to get it back though. <laughs> it's such a like confusing time and i feel like even when we talk about like our identity i'm even confused about that i always thought that i knew who i was and i knew what things i liked and i knew what my strengths were but more and more i think about it and i definitely have like my doubts because Mm. it's kind of what the world has been telling me that i am versus who i actually am i mean my instagram like little bio is Everything is figure outable. Oh yeah, you know, like everything is figure outable. Yeah, and we talked about this in our you know episode with Joyce and our like you know early career. Like the twenties doesn't define your life. Yeah, right. And, and this that's, that's such a hard thing for me to grasp because I'm assuming you're Korean American. Yeah, right. Yeah, all these expectations that we set for ourselves. I definitely know my parents have a huge influence on the way that I am. Just with like the way I think and like my inability to feel satisfied with where I am present day. Mm. And I am competing against myself most of the times and I am beating myself out. Like I'm, I'm winning right, if I right. beat my own timeline. Whoa. I feel like I've almost shut off that part of me because I definitely used to have that in me. Mm-hmm. But I almost shut it off because if I ever didn't beat myself. Mm-hmm. If I ever, yeah, that, that does sound funny. If I ever didn't achieve or reach mm-hmm. those goals, it was like you're a failure. Yeah, and I think eventually it's just beat down on my confidence enough to the yeah. point where like I don't even want to set the goals. Mm. So another aspect of like avoidance. Yeah. So yeah. So we started off um, kind of thinking this episode was going to be about identity, and honestly, you guys, it's a identity slash therapy sesh. So this one was super candid and raw for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to continue this rawness. Honestly, yeah. Tying tying this therapy sesh into our identity and how we view men and boys. Mm. let's let's talk about that i finally listened to that one episode hannah of girls gotta eat with brian park who i am in love with i'm literally in love with this man i dm'd him on instagram once and he responded (laughs) why like recently no this was like back in april when i first discovered his podcast feeling asian and it just really hit home the way that he described how he was feeling about quarantine and Mm. how just like unmotivated and kind of like lonely he was and then i randomly hear about how he doesn't drink Mm -hmm. and i'm just like sitting here listening to a podcast alone and i'm like is this my soulmate 
Honestly, I got to, you know, get to know him a little bit more through this episode on Girls Gotta Eat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, he's like a male version of Hannah. Right? Like he's literally a male version of you. Yeah. And so I DM'd him saying, you know, I just like really appreciate your podcast. I listened to it and it just like made me feel less alone. And he was like, I am so glad. Like, I'm so, so happy. And thank you so much for the support. And so I was just like, um, <gasps> did you tell him that you were his soulmate? Um, I think that's a little creepy, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to be too eager. <laughs> also, he's in New York and I don't know. I just try not to consider long distance because I don't want to do it. I guess just speaking about boys and how they kind of relate to our identity. I think because we grew up in these pretty strict households that we did. We also hold very, very high standards for the guys that we see. I go back and forth between my standards are too high and no, your standards should be high because if you're spending the rest of your life with this person, then what Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So honestly, ultimately, like this is also influenced by my parents a lot. And oh, I yeah. mean, a lot of my conversations with my dad surround the type of guy I should be marrying. My dad is like, like, figure out your shit and you also need to find a guy who has their shit figured out. Well, it's confusing when my dad is like, he's very for me marrying early. Oh. But at the same time, when I'm dating, he'll give me a curfew of like 10 p.m. And you guys, I'm in my 20s. Whoa. As long as I live under my dad's roof. You're going to have that curfew. Yes. Dang. So I don't really know what he wants from me. Very, very conflicting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have plenty of conversations about the type of guy I should be seeing, the type of guy I shouldn't be seeing because... What's the type you shouldn't be seeing? Somebody without work ethic, somebody who didn't go to a top tier school, somebody who doesn't care about family... And also, my dad has been talking a lot about how many people he knows, like guys who have given up on their children and like never spend time with them. Like they're kind of passive in those relationships. And I think that's the number one thing that he like really tells me to avoid. People who like aren't willing to like go and like throw a baseball or football or soccer ball or volleyball with your kids. Because, you know, my family is very, like, quality time-based. And so if you're just working all the time, like, that doesn't fly. But also you need to be working enough to, like, make a living. (laughs) It's, like, it's just a lot. (laughs) I need to just take a moment and think about it. Okay, you said this, I think, during our Big Ten episode about, Mm -hmm. you know, know, like, the Big Ten, the Mm non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. We set these expectations of our significant other or or who is about to be or who's going to be our significant other. Mm-hmm. We want them to be resilient. We want them to be studious and, you know, have a love for learning and Christian yeah. and all that. But it's like, well, that type of man is going to want that from their wife or their girlfriend and from us. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, which, like you said, is really, really influenced by our parents. And that's why going back to the neck tattoo guy. Remember? Oh, yeah. Remember him? Oh, yeah. I would never bring him home. You know? Yeah. I feel like I would bring... You would. 
You would. I could play the scenario play by play. You would bring him home. You're already too emotionally attached, and then your dad would be like, "Hannah, what are you doing?" <laughs> And, and then, then you would cry and then not talk to your dad. And then you'd realize, come to your senses and be like, oh, God, why did I go this far? Jeez. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You really, you really, ooh, you got me like right where it hurts because I can completely see that happening as well. <laughs> I think it's because I have just been a little bit too obedient like throughout my life. And so I have this just urge and need to rebel in some way shape or form and so that was why I like went into entertainment and all that and Mm -hmm. like that's why I I think don't have as high of standards for guys as I honestly have like I kind of give them passes here and there Mm -hmm. I have a question Mm -hmm. and this is just like a thought I have in general but especially on the apps I'm always really scared that they're fetishizing me as in, they're only matching with me because I'm Asian. Do you ever feel like that? The answer is no. Because I have my, like, deal breakers and preferences set very <laughs> narrowly. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so, what? Are you only dating Asian guys? Okay, my my brain wants to be more open. Uh-huh. But my heart isn't letting me. No, no. I think that's fine. No, but I really do want to, like, not be so close-minded. But it goes back to, like, what I want is what my parents want. And I would be so sad if, like, my husband couldn't communicate with my parents. And that's another struggle of being Korean-American because, honestly, half of my world is, like, is Korean and then a good chunk is Korean-American and then it's, like, non-Koreans, you know? Yeah, yeah. There are still a lot of non-Koreans prevalent, like, in my life. Mm. But ultimately it is like somebody who can really understand my family and the way we run you already have that foundation Mm -hmm. to build off of and especially because my dad only has two daughters i think he's overprotective yeah and so therefore i would want somebody who can even more win over my dad's heart right i honestly don't know where that stems from Mm. with me and you know me, I kind of like to get into like the root causes of things and <laughs> why I think this way. But that's one thing I really haven't been able to figure out. And also, I don't want them to think of me as this meek, like cutesy, Asian, like small Asian girl. Because that's that's not who I am. And I don't want them to ever think that that's gonna be me because it's definitely not. And so... I'm always really, really hesitant on the apps to, like, match with guys who are like, oh, I'm into anime because I link anime with fetishes. Mm. Yeah. I honestly think throughout the past couple of years, I've gotten a lot more picky and you've gotten a lot less picky. Because I swear a couple years ago in a heartbeat, I would have picked you out of all our friends to be the pickiest in choosing, like, oh yeah, the significant other and the standards you had had of them. Yeah. Oh, yes (laughs) dude it was ridiculously high and that kind of shows i guess how i viewed myself like i was quite um confident and (laughs) low-key like egotistical i guess because it it was just a direct reflection of like how i viewed myself and so now i think i've kind of veered the opposite way where I'm lacking a little bit of the confidence. You know, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And 
just like worth i will say in the past couple months that we've had this podcast i think it's gotten better like i kind of understand yes self-love a little bit more yeah and so i finally feel like we're getting to that place where i can be less picky and understand that people have faults but also have these expectations that i know will be good for me in the long run i don't think i was ever like a confident person i would actually tie it in with self-love more which this is the this is the part that i i've rehearsed in my brain and i think it sounds funny like i love myself no (laughs) like not even in a narcissistic way i think i view myself as my biggest competition but i also view myself as my biggest cheerleader right right yeah in some way shape or form i just always felt like being korean american i felt like if you knew korean then you were too korean oh yeah and so it was like honestly i swear in high school like it is the way i interpreted it. it you were like cool for like not knowing korean you know what I mean? I don't know how to say that. Like, Bro, I, I, I get what you're saying. Right? Like, like you were identified honestly as a fob or like honestly, quote unquote, like too Korean mm-hmm. if you knew how to speak it. Dude, yeah. Because for a lot of my life, I straight up was ashamed to be Korean. Mm. I did not like the culture, the food, the stereotype of like eating dogs and shit. Mm. I did not like the language. And so I pushed all that away for so long. Like I only wanted to go to other people's houses. I didn't want them to come to mine. And Mm. with sleepovers, I would never have it at my house. Or, you know, if my grandma was in the kitchen, I would kind of like freak out. Mm. and it was honestly like a very like sad time because i was just so ashamed and didn't want to be perceived as a fob and even now i definitely have a little bit of like ooh, that ooh, it's too fobby mm. even though i've embraced my culture a little bit more yeah it's still something that i guess i'm battling because it seems like it's other yeah like they're not like me the dash the dash yeah yeah. and so yeah i mean the dash is something we just kind of identified a couple episodes ago so for high school jj just feeling so lost Mm -hmm. right because like i mean my household were pretty korean and so like it was honestly balancing like oh like honestly it was kind of a switch oh i know in the beginning of the episode i said like how i'm so proud of you know korea like honestly all that really hit me in college yes yeah it really like i was just so appreciative of it that's why that's why i'm able to speak about it now to be really honest and like talk about how i used to be ashamed of it because now like i'm very grateful and thankful my parents forced me to take korean class (laughs) i think for so much of my life i really really just disliked myself and my culture Mm. that in college where i found my comfort was in the korean community Mm. and that's when i was like really thankful for it that I have a culture that I can connect to people with and automatically have this basis of understanding. Well, question, because you did hang with a lot of Koreans and, you know, still do hang out with a lot of Koreans. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get self-conscious about that whole stereotype of, oh, Asians always stick together? I do because I don't want to seem like I'm exclusive. Right. Like purposely wanting to hang out with just Koreans. I know that's another big factor in why I rushed Oh, to try to broaden, you know? Your ethnic circle? Kind of, yeah. Your cultural circle? Yeah. 
So honestly, we started off with identity. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of went into mini therapy session. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? You got a little sneak peek on a sneak peek and an update on our love life. Yeah. But then anyways, we talked about being the dash between Korean American mm-hmm. and honestly just how that's affected us as a human being and as a young 20 something year old and as a woman and dating in the 21st century. Yep. So, in the U.S. Yes. Thank you guys for bearing with us. Yeah, I hope when we chop this all up, <laughs> I hope it's nice or turbulent. Yeah, it'll probably probably be turbulent. It'll probably be turbulent. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. One, two, three. <laughs>